0: Welcome back to another episode of the Preschool Pioneers Podcast. I am your host, Reverend Jeremy Walker, and we're glad to have you with us today. Today, on this episode of the Preschool Pioneers Podcast, we're going to be discussing a few things that are very important. We're going to be discussing why Christian preschool or why early Christian education? Why would this be important? Why is education at an early age important? We're also going to be discussing the power of policies, part of our Mastering Management section here on the Preschool Pioneers podcast. And one more thing we're going to be discussing also today is our preschool in a box as well. We're going to be discussing that, what it is and how it is important, what it can do for you or for your school. To begin, why Christian preschool? Why are... Why is early Christian education important? Well, to begin with, we've discussed this before, and if you tuned into the last time of our previous Preschool Pioneers podcast, I had done an interview for the Chalcedon Foundation, and we're discussing, in particular, early childhood education. If you did not catch that, you can go back and listen to it. But the main point to start with is that Christian education starts by laying the foundation of Christian ethics and morality. Now, we, we see a lot of things in the news today, and in the news, we see all the horrible things that go on, and people talk about all the terrible things people are doing around the world. But people did not start out this way. They started out as children. They started out with an idea of what mor- morals were, what was right and what's wrong. Every time you talk to somebody, you see the news turn on, you see lawmakers, uh, you see people going to court, getting arrested. All these different things are talking about morals and morality. And ethics. And so the standard is, is is taught when you're a child, when you're very, very young. This is where it begins. And so that's where the focus should be. And if you haven't paid attention to it, uh, the people who are non-Christians are focusing on this concept. They want children. They want to teach children their form of morality, their standard for ethics and Sadly, their normal standard of ethics, the normal standard for morality, is non-Christian. God is not in the picture. There is no biblical law involved. And so the vast majority of educators, the vast majority of uh, schools in general, have as a basis for their morals and their ethics, a non-Christian basis. So that means you can expect down the road, which is what we're seeing right now, a society of people who do not have God in their thoughts at all very similar to the book of Judges they do what is right in their own eyes and so that's what we're seeing right now and the majority of the problems you're going to see is that concept if you're a Christian and you are looking at the world and you're saying wow the world is a messed up place but the reason why the world is a messed up place is because you're viewing that from your standard of morals from your standard of ethics and if you have a biblical one then you have the right one and you're able to see things rightly. If not, you might just have a different version of humanism. So this is one of the main reasons why Christian preschools or early childhood education is very, very important. Being able to get in there at the beginning and lay a foundation of truth, real morals, real ethics. And so that's one of the main reasons why Christian preschools are important. Another aspect is helping those people who are in the most need. That would be women and children are the most vulnerable in our society. And whenever Christians in particular step into this realm, it's usually thought of as a charity realm and otherwise, but this is where people who need the most help can be helped the most. And if you haven't thought about it as a Christian, this is a very important concept. I know that people think of schools and education as purely academic. They view it as a perhaps soul-winning opportunity. What they don't view it as a norm is meeting a need, a very basic normal need of people having real basic needs on a daily basis. Like women who just need support. They don't have the support of families or husbands or otherwise. And so they're out on their own and they're having to support themselves. In this case, we've mentioned it before, but they're having to go to work. They're having to support themselves financially. and That means that they're going to need someone they can trust, someone they can help to provide care for their children while they're absent. Now, in that case, Christian preschool is a great place to start because these people can trust a Christian organization to help and take care of their children, to actually have the best interest of their child in mind whenever they go to work. Now, in the normal institution, if it's a non-Christian institution, these kinds of people, and of course we're not saying that it necessarily is across the board on a personal level, but on an institutional level, a non-Christian organizations do not have a Christian base and therefore do not always have the best interest of the child at heart, nor the parent. So the Christians are, are needed to help these people, and in particular the children, Who need somebody to teach them what the world is supposed to look like? Their worlds are shattered as a norm, they're broken as a norm, and they need somebody to step in and show them a new way. They need somebody to show them how to live. What is the standard of life? What is the standard for morality? What kind of life are they supposed to live in the future? What kind of goals should they be setting for themselves? Now, these goals don't get set in middle and high school. These goals get set at the young preschool level where they're learning about the world, what it looks like currently, and what it should look like in the future. And so, Christians, this is why early childhood education and preschool are so important, to get in there and help the vulnerable and to give a solid foundation and direction to those who need it. Another aspect of this is because a family-run Christian school is the best model. And Grace Community Schools, which of course I'm the manager of one of those locations, is the model of a family-run Christian school is the, the best model to be running a school on. Now there's a lot of different benefits to this, and people may not have thought about it, and so I just thought I'd share a few points here before we move on. But as a family-run Christian school, you get to not only work side-by-side with your spouse— Uh, support yourselves financially through your work, through your labors, by providing care for others. But you also get to provide education for your own children. You get to control that education in and of itself. So it's homeschooling on steroids, as it were. But an interesting aspect to a family-run Christian school is something that people may not have thought of either. So I thought I'd point this out. When I did the little presentation I did for the Calcedon Foundation recently, I didn't point this out heavily, but children, they get to learn uh, business skills, basic life skills, if you were. And they get to learn how to do things because they're sitting there watching it on a daily basis. They're participating uh, in the, the propagation of a business, of a school, how to run it. And so they're learning business skills like accounting, they're learning business skills like public relations and so many other things on a daily basis. And so one of the things about running early childhood education facility and having a family-run Christian school is just that. Your children get to participate and learn these skills way, 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 way before the normal child would. As a norm, when you think of children, you think of schools, you think of education, you think of people who go all the way through high school until they're 17, 18 years old, and now they're kind of getting their first jobs. Because as you know, uh, in America, Um, You can't have jobs. You can't have jobs before 16 or some uh, different various rules that are out there for all the different uh, age groups and what they can and can't do uh, to promote staying in school and this kind of an idea, which, you know, has at its heart a good reason. But how they go about it, of course, creates uh, immature people because they're not allowed to have actual work. Their schoolwork is pointless to them. They're getting grades, but to them, there's no real advantage to this except the fact that they may be an A on their paper versus a D on their paper. But all they can do is graduate, and now they have themselves a diploma. Okay, well, they have a diploma, but they have no skills. They have no workforce skills. They've never had to do something to completion. They've never had to work with a customer. They've never had to produce a product. And so having life skills, business skills, very early in life. My own children are a good example of that because my children already have business skills, And by the ages of 13, 14, 15, and 16, they're already able to run many aspects of a business and have many more skills than 20-year-olds or 25-year-olds do. We get to see a lot of people coming through the doors every day. Uh, Lots of people, when when you work with general public and people, you get to meet a lot of people. And the vast majority of people have no life skills, no business skills. They're not good at their jobs. They don't like their jobs. They have no appreciation for work. They're not skilled at it whatsoever, and even if they were good at it, they don't have the discipline to stay at it for more than one year, six months, at most maybe five years, and then they're going to jump from one job to the next. So having a family-run school gets to add new things to it that you wouldn't normally think of either. So I'm just going to touch on that for now. I know that if you haven't listened to it yet, the presentation I did for the Calcedon Foundation, you can go back uh, on the website and find that. And uh, as word of reference, um, as well, the Preschool Pioneers podcast is now located on the new website we have, which is located on Christian Reconstruction 101. So Christian Reconstruction 101. And when you go there, you can find the links right there on the homepage for the Preschool Pioneers podcast. And you'll find also the Chalcedon presentation that we did as well. So that's just going to be a little intro to why Christian education is important. I just touched on some points Uh, Maybe you haven't thought of, maybe you have thought of, but uh, some points to think about if you haven't already. The next thing I like to talk about is about management. This might be for somebody who uh, wants to run a school, is running a school, having troubles running a school, uh, the veteran, the novice. And so these ideas here that I'm going to be presenting in what we call mastering management are going to be helpful tips for you. And this also goes for the person who does not run a school. A lot of these things are going to be basic... Life tips, it doesn't matter which business you run in. Uh, You could work at a McDonald's. You could work at Publix uh, grocery stores. You can work in accounting. You can pretty much work anywhere. If you have a business and you're in management, then these tips are not just for Christian preschool, although very much so are for Christian preschool as well, my own personal experiences, but they can be pretty much anywhere. So if you are in management or thinking about being in management or just running your own home, anything like that, you're having to make decisions Here's part of mastering management. If you want to be good at managing anything, and you have to do one thing. and It's called the power of policies. That's right, the power of policies. Now, what does that mean? Well, policies are important because they're a list of regulations or rules that set the standard or expectation that your customer uh, can expect. You're going to be setting the standard for what they should expect from you. Um, what what you're going to do, how you're going to function. If you're in a school setting, like uh, as a norm we're talking about, school settings, education, you're setting the standard for how the child's day will go, maybe how billing will go, um, if they take vacations, things like that. Um, If there's medication policies, so if they can give medication, you don't give medications. If uh, What the parents can expect from the teachers, how your school operates. uh, Lots and lots of different policies there. Uh, If you'd like to get an idea of what policies look like, you can go to our school's website at gracecommunityschools.com and top right hand corner I think there's a downloads page and you can go to the downloads page and scroll down to where you see the policies. School policies are right there and you can see those and those are some of the policies that Grace Community School has and over the last 32 years we've developed these policies as being kind of best operating procedures you can have for operating a school uh, to keep things organized and to keep people happy. Now One of the main reasons is not just saying the standard of expectation, but it's letting people know how you operate. Now, one of the first things you can expect is that most people are not going to read your policies. Um, Don't expect anybody to ever read your policies. They're pretty much not going to do it. Uh, It's what the lawyers call the fine print. And it's not because fine print, because it's, you know, hidden. It's there because nobody's ever going to really read it, because people have their own expectations of what a school is, or their own expectations of... Um, you know, how a grocery store should run, or what they should do, or how someone should treat them. So no matter what your standards are, no matter what your policies are, someone else already has their own ideas of what the standard should be, or how a school should operate. There's always a million different people with a million different ideas. But the point is, when you have policies, and you get into a discussion with somebody, you're setting the standard and saying, this is how we operate. It helps the customer because the customer can decide to choose your location or not. As long as you're in a a, a society like we are here in America and people have choices, then you want people to be able to make their own choices based on what you provide or what you do not provide. Uh, As a good example, if somebody was looking for a school and their children had high medication needs for whatever reason it might be, and your school, as an example, has a no medication policy, then the parent who needs a facility that has medical staff on hand, maybe a nurse that is on staff that can provide medicins or insulin shots or whatever other medical needs the child might need, they can then determine the right school for them because of the uh, policies that the school provides. So this is kind of what it helps. It helps the customer determine who you are, what you provide, and if you're a right fit for them. And I think it's a misnomer for people because some people think that all schools are the same, well, they are to a certain extent, and also to an extent that they're not, based on their policies and what they can and can't do, what they allow, what they don't allow. But the customer, it's their job to do the shopping, their job to try to determine for themselves what they want for them, for their families, and it's the in this case the school's job to let people know what they provide. And the kind of uh, we're discussing this in a minute, but it kind of clears up a lot of things. But let's go ahead and jump into the second thing besides. The power of policies not only sets the standard of expectation, but also you can hold your staff accountable. If you have employees and you're not working all by yourself, then the policies help you assist with setting the standard, helps with training. It tells them what they are expected to do and how they're expected to perform, what rules and regulations they're supposed to do. Uh, Some simple basic uh, examples of this would be, of course, if a child has an injury, well, what are your protocols? What is a teacher supposed to do if a child bumps their lip, you know, has a bloody lip, or has a cut? What is it they're supposed to do? Are they supposed to, at this point, um, contact the office? Are they supposed to um, fill out incident reports, injury reports? Are they supposed to contact parents by phone? What is it that the staff is expected to do so they know how to operate under any given circumstance? So this really helps with setting the standard for staff to, one, train them properly, to set the standard for them so they know how to act, and also to hold them accountable for their actions. And so it's really great uh, in the staff concept, because if you're not used to management, one of the biggest things you're going to have to do uh, is you're going to have to train. You're going to have to retrain. You're going to have to hold people accountable. If you have never been in management before, then you may not understand what I'm talking about. But you can have policies all day long. You can have a sign-up on the wall. You can have an operations manual, like Grace Community School has an operations manual filled with policies, which we also make available as well in the GCS Apprenticeship website, uh, gcsapprenticeship.com, um, but if you have these things, having policies isn't enough. You still have to hold people accountable to, to your standard, and so when you have these policies, it helps you train, retrain, and to hold people accountable. The next one is building parental trust. When you have standards, and they know what the expectation is, and you follow that expectation, this continues to build trust, especially with new people and you're dealing in an educational field, and you're dealing with schools, now you're dealing with people who've never, um, you know, they're not handing you um, a shoebox full of shoes to watch and to hold on to, and they might come back to it later. They're giving you their children. And for the vast majority of people on the planet, it's their most prized possession. So building trust with people is very difficult, and having policies in place and following those policies is a very, very good way uh, to build trust. One, as I said, you set the standard, Two, you hold people accountable. And three, the parents know what to expect from you. So all these things help to build trust. And if you haven't thought about it before, uh, you can look at the policies we have. But you have to follow those policies. You have to hold people accountable for those policies. And it will build parental trust because they've chosen your school. They like your school. And there, if you run it according to what they already want, that's the policies. You run it the way you said you're going to run it and you give the customer what you said you're going to give them that provide the level of care that they're expecting out of you, you will make uh, these people very happy. You will be, build trust. And in the cases of many, many, many people, like people I've known, um, you can build relationships that last decades. Decades. Moving on, uh, dealing with complaints and arguments. The power policies really helps with complaints and arguments. And because you If you're dealing with people, you're going to deal with people eventually in management. Uh, It's called public relations, where you're going to have people who complain. You're going to have people who have argumentations about a million different things. And what happens is, I said this before, people have their own idea of the way they think the school or a school should operate or what they think should happen. How they think uh, you should build them, how they think they should have a certain grace periods, how they should... um, if their child gets injured, how they think you should operate or how they think, whatever it is, whatever the idea is. Uh, a couple ones off the top of my head, if you haven't run into these as a child care provider, if you are a child care provider, are things like some people who have infants want to bring infants with glass bottles. Um, if you have policies that allow that, well, fine. The parent that has them, that's the right school for them. Uh, however, glass bottles can be a hazard, of course. If they fall and break, they shatter, it can be very, very dangerous In an infant room or in a toddler room Uh, glass uh, sippy cups is also very common as well and so I would definitely suggest if you don't have a policy against glass but you should have one Um, but having policies like these help clear these things up and lets people know that you can or cannot bring something in and sets the standard of expectancy Uh, another one would be uh, cloth diapers some people are into cloth diapers all natural where they wash them out and this kind of thing Uh, they don't use traditional throwaway diapers one-use kind of as an idea And if you have policies in place, then you can let the parents know if you're the school for them or not. Some people are diehard on that kind of an idea. And if their school doesn't provide or allow them to bring cloth diapers uh, for their child, then they won't choose your facility. But once again, that's what policies does. It sets the standard if you're going to allow this or not. And so there's a million other things that people want or don't want. Medication was another one I mentioned and so on and so forth. But the policies allow you to kind of clear these things up. And as I said also before, don't expect people to actually um, you know, read your policies. They're not going to do it. They're, they're not going to read them. But the important thing is that you have them. And uh, you, if you have an information packet, if you have to collect information when someone signs up at our school, we do. You should also have in there, whenever they're signing their child up, uh, some part in there that says not only do we have policies, but that the customer has read the policies, that they understand the policies, and that they agree to those policies. And that's why I mentioned those before it was called the fine print, because this is also a document when you collect at the sign of signing up, and if they're going to join your school or whatnot, that they're putting into writing that they've read your policies. They probably haven't, but they at least have to say that they did, and that they agree to the policies. Now, once again, they can't necessarily agree to something that they didn't read, but it's irrelevant to what the purpose is. The purpose is the fact that you as a school said, we gave you the policies, we told you to read over the policies, and we even gave you a paper which states you have to sign that you did read the policies and accept them. Because later on, if there's an argument over anything, let's say it's glass bottles, let's say it's uh, cloth diapers, let's say it's medication, whatever the issue is, you just come back to your policies and say, I'm, I'm sorry uh, that you don't like whatever the policy is. But we do have them. Um, it's the same policy as when you, you chose our school to begin with. Uh, you actually had to sign stating that you read them, if you did or not, and that's okay if you didn't. But you had to state that you did. And they were only following our policies. And so if somebody comes back and says, well, I don't like your policies, you can say, well, we're not going to change. We're only giving you exactly what we said we would give you. And so, in other words, we're keeping our word. So if the parent wants to keep their word, all they have to do then is accept the fact that they already agreed to the policies, and they can continue to come into the school. Now, what do you do then if somebody says, well, I never read the policies, and I don't agree to the policies, and I'm really upset about X, Y, or Z? Well, the only option is this, and it's really not... child care's choice but the the customer's choice they have the option of either accepting the policies that they're now being aware of maybe they didn't read over the whole thing or missed it or didn't read it at all but now they're being uh, told the policy is they have now the opportunity once again to accept the policy if it's no medication or no glass bottles or no diapers whatever the um, cloth diapers whatever the issue may be or they now have the choice once again to choose another facility that has the policies that they want. Now, you will find some people, if you're in this field for any time, that try to change the facility. They want to take their ideas, as we mentioned before, their ideas about how a school should run, and then they want the school to accommodate their ideas. Uh, But see, that's not what policies do. Policies tell a person what to expect. And so sometimes if people can be difficult, the only thing you can do is tell them, I'm sorry that you disagree with the policies, even though we were told you ahead of time what they were, and you did say you agreed to them, if you read it or not. But now if you still disagree with the policies after we've told you again what they are, then the options you still have are to accept the policies now, which we're just going to you know, follow the policies that we said we would follow originally, or you're going to have to find another facility because you need to find a place that you're happy um, because this is what we said we would do. This is the level of care and the type of care we said we would provide, and we're only going to be uh, providing to you what we said we provide another interesting aspect of this with people who come to you and say they want to change policy or or want you to make an exception for them is that at this point in time when they're talking to you about whatever the object of the policy that they are having a disagreement about um, whatever that is at this point they want you to make an exception for them but later on if it came to another aspect of the policies let's say your staff wasn't doing something properly and if it was changing times or meal times or if it was a billing issue or billing question, they would want the manager to hold the staff accountable for not following the school's policies. See, that's the kind of the, the catch-22 here. When people want to break the policies, then everybody should just uh, let them break them. But otherwise, if they want people to follow the policies, everybody's supposed to be held to the policies except for them. So this is why the power of policies is so important. This is why if you don't have a school, have policies pretty much of everything, you need to think about them. You need to have these ideas. If you're just a manager and you run pretty much any type of business, you need to have policies of how you operate. Your your basic business operating procedures, basically what they are, so your customer can know what they are and you can fall back on. It helps in diffusing people who are upset because... Um, you're just following policy. Um, you can just say, I'm sorry, you're upset, but we're just following our policies and just doing what we were told to do. So it's very good at calming people down. And the last thing I want to discuss, and I won't discuss it too much in depth. Uh, we're going to move beyond our uh, mastering management a little section there. And uh, last touch on before we close up here, preschool in a box. Uh, if you haven't listened to the Chalcedon presentation, I recently did, you can go back and listen to that. But preschool in a box basically is... A full-orbed, top-to-bottom, how to run a school. Uh, Operations manual is in there. Not only just operations manual, but the preschool curriculum. Uh, So Operations manual tells you how to run the school. Like I said, the policies, how to train staff, all the different stuff in between, how to run a classroom. Um, Then you have the preschool curriculum, which is all the materials, like games, activities, events. Uh, We have tons and tons and tons of theme week activities, like jungle week, outer space week, carnival and circus weeks. All the different stuff, and all the themes, activities, all the dress-up days, it's all there. Uh, Lots and lots of fun stuff. If you want to get a a glimpse of that, you can go to our our Facebook page. It's um, Grace Community School. You can look it up. You'll see a lot of the stuff on there that we do. We also have a preschool reading program. We just finished up, actually, um, videos that we are using also to teach reading. And so if you're interested in learning how to incorporate a reading program for your preschool, uh, well, we have it. Uh, We also have the videos for it too, which you can, like what we're doing, is we're purchasing Kindles. They're very cheap right about now. And you just load the Kindles up with the videos that we have. And then what you do is you bring that into the classroom. just have to have a little speaker with you. And you can actually start teaching children to read right away. Uh, We have uh, Miss Amy Slack. She helped us film the videos. A veteran, extraordinarily veteran teacher. Very good at what she does. And a captivating teacher. And we have on all these videos her... Uh, performing reading circles for the kids, so you can actually use them in the school. We do use them in the school for kids to learn off of and also can be used as a teacher training tool. We also have not only that besides that, but the audio and video files. I just mentioned that. with part of the reading program. We also have reading books, which you can go to the website, uh, Grace Community Schools. Uh, sorry, it's um, gcsapprenticeship.com You can click on materials and find uh, all the different stuff here about the operations manual, the preschool curriculum, preschool reading program, uh, all the different books we have, uh, How to Become a Millionaire in Christian Education, Full Reward, um, family family run Christian Schools, all this stuff is included in the Preschool in a Box. So if it's something you're interested in, go to the website, which is gcsapprenticeship.com, click on Materials, you should see it from there for more information. But you can also, as I said, listen to the Calcedon presentation I did prior to this podcast. It also has more information and details about it and what it's about and that kind of stuff. So I'm going to go ahead and sign off for now. Uh, We're going to be continuing our Preschool Pioneers podcast. Uh, I'll try to be doing this weekly and giving you something, more information each week uh, discussing Christian schools, uh, discussing management, discussing how to operate a school, giving tips, talking about different things we think are important, maybe some things that are relevant to Christian schools that pop up in the news from time to time. But we do want to thank you for being with us on Preschool Pioneers. If you want to find this episode and or more episodes, you can go to the new website, which is ChristianReconstruction101.com. And once you go there, you're going to find links to this podcast and others as well on that network. So we want to thank you for joining us, and um, God bless, and you guys have a very good day.